This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, sharing the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region. I'm your host, Gary Farrow. In this episode, we hear from an arborist from the Waikato who's been involved in the cleanup after the two recent cyclones. Okay, I'm Peter Asen. I've been an arborist for quite a number of years. Straight out of school, I got into horticulture. Horticulture was one of my favourite subjects at school, so I went to Polytech to do a course on that. And then I didn't actually know about arboriculture till I went to Polytech, and the second year you could either specialise in um, being an arborist or landscaping, and I thought climbing trees is way more fun than digging holes. <laughs> so. Yeah, from there it was a natural progression. Um, the uh, Over the years I've worked for a few different companies and they've all been, yeah, I've learnt a lot, had a lot of experiences, seen a lot of the countryside, uh, travelling around with my work. How did you get started? What were the first steps to coming yeah. in? Um, what would you call it, or an arborist, but yeah. it's arboriculture, the, the trade. The trade is arboriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because the, back when I was at Polytech, the basic horticulture course, like you did modules on a whole range of different things, um, and it was the arboriculture and the forestry side, the practical side of things, really interested me. I think it was the practical side and the the adventure, I guess, and the unknown aspects and that interest me, doing something different day to day. Overall, things can be similar, but each job has its nuances and that sort of thing. And thinking, looking at a big picture and getting a an overall perspective on things and then coming up with a solution on how to how to approach each each task I guess yeah that's that's one of the things I do find interesting in the job. Were there certain um, uh, tasks that you started out doing as an arborist? I guess there's a lot of diversity that you've gotten into of the jobs. But, um, yeah, was there yes. particular ones at the start? Yes. So when I first started out, they, as a apprentice, um, after I had done the course, I went to work for a private company, and they had various contracts, and one of them was with a, the city council in Auckland. And 
I was on the contract that mostly focused on clearing trees away from power lines and there's certain procedures and a set methodology that you have to use to do that safely and I was on that contract for quite some time and gained experience and amongst that there was, it wasn't doing that every day, every day but most days and there were other days where we would work in parks away from power lines and do like climbing, tree climbing and arborist, general arborist pruning and reductions on trees, removals, all that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So what sort of, let's start with the working on pruning the trees back near power lines. What sort of equipment and safety measures do you have to take uh, in that case? Because it's a serious job. It is. Okay, first off, when you're working around power lines, the power company needs to be notified where you're working. If, if something does go wrong, uh, that they don't put the power back on, um, that's one of the most critical things. So they would deactivate it on the point around which you're so, working? So you, most of the work we do is with the power on because there's set procedures that you can, and the equipment is insulated so that you can prune them safely. Um, but yeah, God forbid if something did go wrong, you don't want them unknowingly to re-liven the power lines as can that can potentially happen. Um, so if they know you're there, they can't reactivate it until you've rung and said that you're safe or something right. like that. So there would be quite a constant uh, communication between you and the power company? Yes, at the, before the job starts and after, once you've finished the job, you communicate with them to let them know that you're clear of the power lines and it's safe for them to restore their safety message, measures to a usual, to how they normally are. Sounds like you've become pretty well acquainted with some people at the power company then who you'd be in contact with pretty much every day, letting them know what you're doing and when you finished your jobs and everything because uh, pruning around power lines, basically every single day you will see arborists doing that somewhere in the city or a town even. Yes, that, that's correct. They, um, we do know them by name, even though we don't, over the course of my years, I haven't met too many people in person, but you get to know them over the phone and, and have, you know, you can talk to them freely a lot of the time, but then once, once they get to the important part of the procedure, it is systematic the things you have to say and repeat back to them so they know that you're in the they've got the right place and you know that they know in that situation what sort of equipment would you be using because i think people generally when they think of arborists they think of sort of abseiling up and down trees yeah. um, even though that's kind of nonsensical okay that so there's two different methods of operation like one is 
for us is using a cherry picker that's insulated and they're insulated to very high voltages. Um, so that, that sort of thing, you set the cherry picker in the right position and then prune the trees with tools that are insulated to get them to a safe distance before you can do your final pruning cuts. And the other method is, like you say, climbing the trees manually with ropes and harnesses and it's assist you have to climb systematically so by throwing your rope generally to the lower branches that you that you can reach to and climb up to there and then throw the rope higher all the way to the top um, there are different methods of doing that but round power lines especially you have to be extremely careful that your ropes don't go over the power lines because that could potentially be catastrophic. There would be techniques and regulations in and each throw of the rope that you have basically that you'd, yes. you'd have like a checklist that you'd go through in your head eh? when you're um, I guess when you're a, a, a starting starting out as an arborist but as you go along it would become more natural but but you'd always have to adhere to um, safety protocols that's that's correct like you when you get to the job you look at it and then you go you work out exactly what you want to do before climbing the tree and then you think of a method that will do it safely for instance climbing the side of the tree away from the power lines so there's no chance of your rope getting through the tree to it and then just yeah systematically work your way up um, and then once you get to a point that's high enough you can come back down and then for me I've found it always easiest is getting your rope as high up the tree as practical and then starting at the lower branches so that when you do cut stuff it falls away clear and then you make a hole and you work your way up so that when you throw the higher branches they don't catch on anything um, and bounce out into the power lines. I was going to ask about that because in, in forestry uh, you have to make very specific calculations of where the tree or the branches are going to fall uh, before you uh, cut down a tree. Uh, and it would be similar when you would be removing branches um, from a tree, um, especially when you're up in the tree or up near the tree in a cherry picker. Um, yes, that's correct. It's um, the like forestry and the protocols they have there. We have our own ones, which are, are similar and a lot of them are based on the same methods. But because we're in a more confined area, generally speaking, we yeah we have to do things a lot smaller, and sometimes it is very time-consuming, especially if they are, the trees are in some cases tangled right through the power lines or touching and burning. Then yeah, it's 
using the insulated tools, you prune them away in small pieces until you get a reasonable clearance and you can do bigger and bigger pieces. So you mentioned burning there. Are there situations where you're actually up in the tree and it's making contact with the power lines and um, there's a potential chance that the tree could uh, ignite? Um, You wouldn't be climbing a tree that is actually touching the power lines. Mm -hmm. You could be... Look, when it's in that situation... We'll use the cherry picker to, with the insulated tools to prune it away, or if that couldn't reach, we have insulated loppers or sort so extendable loppers, and they are test they're tested regularly that they are uh, safe to use um, for the voltages that we work around. Um, so then you would prune it a safe distance away before you could climb the tree. That's an emergency situation. In emergency situations, more often than not, it's say half a limb or maybe a whole tree that has actually fallen onto the power lines and cut the power off to lots of people. In that situation, we when we get there we wait for the power company to um, tell us that the lines are completely de-energized and they've they put what they call earth sticks on which uh cables they hook onto the power lines which are then put onto the ground and earthed out so that you know that the lines are completely dead and it's safe to work around them and clear the trees um yeah, so, yeah, you, in that situation, you're always, you're in immediate communication with people from the power company, and they will let you know when it is safe to cut the trees. So you'd be talking to them and radioing them up there in the cherry picker, or would there be people down on the ground doing that? Um, no, so they would, when you get to the site, they will go over everything that's happened and you in most well in all the cases you need to be able to see where the earths are on either side of the site and they will explain to you that that the lines are the power is off and that it is safe to um to work and then you sign a document to say that they've explained that to you and then once you're finished you sign it again to say that you've finished and that they can put the power back on and and then yeah so it's an un- understandably quite a formal process for health and safety reasons it, it is it's very thorough and um it, it has to be that way because if if it's not and you if you go in before they've done that you don't know even though you can't, you assume the power's off because people don't have power on, it could potentially still, yeah, there could still potentially be power there. For instance, if someone has a generator and they hook that into their house, that could potentially re the lines again, which 
are there some situations where you would have to work in adverse weather conditions because um, you know for example during a storm if a power line was interfered with by a falling tree they had to cut off the power lines and then obviously they'd want to get the power going again as soon as possible so you'd have to get along to that or arborists would have to get along to that um, but is there a limit to the weather conditions you would be able to operate in? Uh, there is, yep. There are, depending on how severe it is, like, one thing you, I mean, no one can control the weather, you just have to mitigate the conditions and work to your abilities, but probably the a big, the rain is not so much of a problem, but the wind is probably the biggest problem being able to control how branches will react when you cut them Um, if it's too windy and the trees are moving around too much sometimes you just have to say no we can't safely do it until the weather's a bit calmer and unfortunately in some situations people have to wait to get their power restored Mm. So in situations like the two recent cyclones that we have been lavished with over the last three weeks, uh, do do you get involved in work um, because of them? Yes, we have. We did get involved in a lot of the clean-up work. We, We didn't get called out after hours because working at night, creates a whole raft of extra hazards and you can't see a lot of the potentially hidden dangers just outside of where your lights are shining um, so but during the daytime yes there was an unlimited amount of areas that had trees with power uh, trees across the power lines and it was basically going from one job to the next to clear as yeah to get people their power back on as much as possible and I believe other companies and things were helping clear roads and access ways and that sort of thing as well so how long would you generally spend on a shift our work days generally nine to ten hours um, with the um, storm cleanup we were doing probably between 10 and 11 hour days generally but you also need to manage fatigue because if, it, if you're doing that long day after day it does you do get tired and also the the mental stress as well does play a factor as much as you try to not think it does constantly thinking about everything that's happening all over the place at it does distract your focus sometimes, but then you re refocus on the task at hand when you are doing the immediate work, and then you can think about other things, potentially when you have a little bit of downtime. Yeah, <laughs> and not thinking about your the rest of the jobs that you've got coming in the day. No, and I think that's one thing I've always been able to do, actually, is to compartmentalise things when I need to. Um, with with this work, it, it does get easier and sometimes mundane. 
some of the aspects of it, but also at times there is a lot of a lot of different things you you do get to think about, and I've seen a lot of the the country, especially the North Island, um, with work traveling to different areas, which has been great. Um, but at current job, I'm reasonably settled and home almost every night, which is great. <laughs> so, so did you get taken on um, sort of deployments in the past where you ended up in different parts of the country where arborists were particularly needed at a time? Um, yeah, I, especially in my younger years, I stayed in motels very regularly. You, uh, anywhere between Coromandel and Awakuni and Tauranga, Rotorua. Uh, did a stint in Gisborne for a few weeks and Wellington. It's, it was it was good, but also it did become a bit of a drag at times. Um, I think one year I calculated all my living away, and it was thirty two weeks of the year. Oh God! I was away from home. <laughs> but not so much now it's, but yeah when you do have that opportunity it is great to take it and stay in some nice places stay in, stay in some dives <laughs> but it's part of life and it's good to get those experiences even when at the time sometimes you're like oh here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but no, it was yeah. I've stayed in some really nice places as well, which is, and gone back to places after years in the motel. People recognised me. <laughs> that was pleasantly surprising as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, that's some really interesting places that you've worked. Even yeah, Oakone and the Coromandel. I suppose they would often have um, uh, weather conditions there that would. Um, yeah, there, there, there's you always need an arborist. Oh yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, there's work all over the place, and it's it just seems to be a. It's a very physical occupation, um, but if you're methodical in what you do, and as you get older, you realise you can pace yourself a bit more and be. Be more strategic in what you do rather than like a bull at a gate going as hard as you can all the time. So take a bit more time to be methodical and think of a process that makes your life easier. Mm. Yeah, work smarter, not harder most of the time, but sometimes it's good to work hard as well. <laughs> Absolutely. But it makes sense as well with yeah. such a physical and mentally challenging job that you don't want to overwork yourself. That's, that's true, yep. And I think, because I've thought about it a lot over the years, because I did do a lot of work working out of cherry pickers. Um, my body has, for me, it's held up a lot better than I, a lot of people that have been climbing trees for the whole time. Like, I mean, I, I started my training and, well, the class of 95 was my final year at Polytech, so December 95 I started full time and I've enjoyed it most of the time. I'm sure there's times where you 
you wonder what you're doing, but then my thought is, I stop and think, it's like, what would I rather be doing? And it's like, well, as much as the job was horrible at the time, nothing. Mm. Um, and that's what I analyse a lot, and I guess more so, it's like, do I still want to be doing this? It's like, yes, I do. And that that was a big thing. It's like, if you don't like it, what would you rather be doing? And as yet, I haven't found anything. <laughs> You still like to climb trees? I do, yeah, I do enjoy it. and uh, It is challenging at times, and I probably don't use methods a lot of the newer generation and have been trained in, and some of them are more efficient, but I guess I'm a bit stuck in my old ways, and they've been working for me for long and for, for now, but I do... I am open to new techniques and methods that do make my life easier and maybe I should change a little, but yeah. You're still pruning the trees, it's still working? Yep. What you're yep. doing? I can, still, I can still do things and especially on big climbs and things like that, it's, it is being methodical and planning it out and taking a bit of time and sometimes I like pe- People don't realise how much I can do and are surprised. And I surprise myself occasionally as well. It's like, oh, didn't expect to get there. But then there are times where I do make climbing look like hard work. (laughs) (laughs) But then other times I can make it look easy. And it's like anything. Some days things flow really well and other days you've got to grit your teeth and get through the next half hour at a time. The basic work is almost the same, but everything, every aspect of the job, you have to watch out for different things. Um, Yeah, uh, people have different things underneath their trees or there's fences in different positions. Some, Some trees, yeah, it is, and it is nice when sometimes you can just fell a tree in an open paddock, paddock and it's nice and easy but then there is other times where it is nice having a little challenge having to actually think and plan stuff and yeah think your way out of problems do you think um arbora culture is something people should still take an interest in getting into yes i think if you if you're not sure what you want to do try it out it may not be for you and after a while you'll know if it is something you want to continue doing Um, if you are practically minded and like being outside and physical work it yeah it could be then again if you're scared of heights that's something you'd either have to overcome or it's not for you Um, yeah but until you actually try and push yourself, you won't know if it's something you really will enjoy. And some things are a bit difficult to start with, but they get easier with time. So you were never scared of heights? No. Nah. Don't look directly down. Look out to the horizon and enjoy the view. Yeah, you get some amazing views of different parts of the world and cities. Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikato. 
If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.